For me, uh, the Christmas season starts on Black Friday, you know, or uh, Black Thursday. For Walmart, it's uh, July, you know, but, uh, you know, uh, for a, a lot of us, we're like, no, let's really take in Thanksgiving, and then kind of once Thanksgiving is done, uh, let's talk about Black Friday. Uh, here's one of the problems that I have. Uh, I hate shopping. It doesn't matter, you know, if it's for me, for somebody else, if it's food shopping, grocery shopping, you know, fun shopping, there's no such thing. I feel more drained shopping, you know, than I do ever going to do. It's like a life sucker. You know, it's not an investor. Anybody else like me? Anybody else? They're like, okay, I'm not the only ones. There's one exception. Black Friday. Okay. I, I love Black Friday. You know, absolutely get giddy about Black Friday. Now, I need to tell you, there's two reasons why I love Black Friday and hate shopping. I love competition. (laughs) And this is fun, you know, because it is all strategic and competitive. Can you plan out? Can you get the best deals at the best place to the blessed places, you know, in the blessed lines and and be able to to line up? And can you outwit, outplay, and outlast everybody else around you? You know, uh, it's like Survivor for me. And I'm like, this is awesome. And I'm going to win you know, because I like, you know, competition. Uh, And so I'm like, man, this is not shopping anymore. This is about competition. And and I'm a competitive person. Uh, In fact, uh, this year, uh, uh, you know, there's a a lot of uh, Coug fans, you know, a part of our congregation. I cheer. I always cheer the Cougs on, except for one game a year, you know, uh, when they play against my Huskies. Now, I need to tell you that um, uh, Coug fans were kind of sticking it to me, you know, uh, weeks leading up to the Apple Cup. Um, so much so, I had uh, two particular uh, Washington State University grads who actually came to me, and they proposed to me. They're like, Dan, we want to bet you this year, you know, and they came in their Minshew mustaches and everything. We want to we wanna bet you this year, and I'm like, you know what? I don't think betting is Christian, but I think I need to teach you a lesson. So, okay, you know, uh, <laughs> sometimes lessons learned, you know, like don't ever bet, you know, boys and girls. Uh, you know, and so, uh, you know, they're, they're like, well, what I said, well, what do you want to do? And they said, well, if the Cougars win, you have to wear a Coug shirt the next time that you preach during all four services. <laughs> and I said, okay, now if, if I, and if I, if I win, what, what does that mean? They said, well, that means we have to wear Husky gear. And so um, Steve Allen and, and uh, Allison Eldridge, you know, have graciously uh, worn Husky gear. And I, I got a little a picture of them, you know, in, <laughs> in some of that, some of that. <laughs> you can go watch my Huskies in the Rose Bowl. All right. Um, anyway, so just friendly, just fun, you know, absolutely love. Again, always cheer, you know, for the kooks, except that one exception. Okay, so competition. So first it's competition. I love competition. I'm engaged in competitions. Uh, uh, Secondly, I love going to Black Friday because I love people watching. Okay, if you ever get a kick, you know, out of what lights people up or tears people down, I'm a little sick that way, you know, uh, it's hilarious, you know, to actually just sit back and you don't have to shop at all. You just sit back and just watch, you know, uh, what people get excited about and cry about and, you know, punch people about. I mean, it's fun. It's absolutely an absolute blast, which got me thinking, you know, uh, during this Christmas season, what's the most challenging part for you? What is the most challenging part of this Christmas season? Uh, Did you know 75% of people who who experience high amounts of stress and anxiety, it's usually during the holiday season, you know, from uh, Halloween all the way through to the end of the year. 
Uh, and I, I put this uh, on Facebook. I asked the question, and it was overwhelming. The, the number one challenging aspect of the Christmas season had something to do with loss. Like uh, we lost a family member, you know, and so going into the holidays is that reminder of the sadness and the separation of the loss. For other people, it was loss of tradition or loss of family. They've grown up and they've moved away and they've got their own families now or loss of a job, you know, or loss of a circumstance. So there's a lot of loss that people mentioned. The second one that was mentioned over and over and over was busyness and expectation. So the busyness of the season is the challenge and the expectation, either the expectations that you have for what you hope the season to be or the expectations that you hope other people have. So we have these expectations, whether it be, you know, the food, the traditions or whatever that may be going into the season. But you start thinking about that. Where have we gone with Christmas as a culture? Uh, All the things, all the parties, all the gifts, all the food, all the traditions, none of which is bad. But the yearly mistake that we make is we fill up our calendars, we're already busy enough people anyway, and we fill up our calendars even more, and many of us, whether it's said or not, we get to a point, probably about two or three weeks from now, where we internalize this phrase, I just want to get through. I just want to get through, you know, this season. And do you realize getting through is the enemy of what God actually wants for you for this season? Wouldn't it be wonderful that a month from now, at the end of the month, you look back and you're like, wow, that was the most fun most fulfilling, most memorable Christmas season that I've ever had. Because I'm going to tell you that God actually has some things to say that promises for that to take place if we would do some different things and we'd go from the clutteredness that we have in our schedules and priorities to becoming more uncluttered, you'll find yourself there. But that's going to be your decision. I'm just going to, I'm just going to point the way or illustrate the path. Uh, Let me give you the first example. When we go from uncluttered to cluttered, it starts by putting first things first. Now, uh, many of you have seen an illustration like this, you know, before, okay? Illustrations like this represents, the sand represents, you know, all the things, you know, that we have, all the presents that we have to buy, all the cards that we have to give. Some of us do Christmas pictures, not Christmas pictures. All the things to do would be all the sand that's represented here. Uh, The rocks would represent all the people, and the places, and the work parties, and you know, all those things that we, they're also involved in, none of which are bad. And then the rock, the large rock at the top, would represent God. Represent God. Now, we try to get God in, but we've already have all these other things that have taken place, either priorities in our heart or priorities in our schedule, that make it very hard to fit into our lives represented by the base. But what if this season you did something different? You actually started with yourself and you said, you know what, I'm going to try to find a way to do it God's way. And I'm going to make sure that God is going to be the priority and not that these other things are bad, but when I put God first, it's actually fascinating and people become second, you know, in those relationships. And this is the exact same amount as you see in the first illustration, you know, that's there as well. You'll see how much you can actually fit in the same amount of time, the same emphasis All that kind of stuff all fits in in this one and it doesn't fit in this one because first things are first, right? When we put first things first. And so what is the first thing? What is the thing that God says? Well, Jesus is actually the one that said it in Matthew 6, 33. He said, seek first, your first priority, the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you. They're not bad things. Nothing that we're going to say is bad. It's just a misplaced priority which leaves us exhausted at the end instead of fulfilled because we've misplaced some of these things. And so we're going to look today 
on a create an uncluttered Christmas is going to take prioritizing relationships. That's the first thing. Prioritizing relationships. Uh, in fact, you and I have a tendency uh, to focus this season, especially on gifts. Our culture throws it on our face. That's why Black Friday, you know, is so popular. And then Cyber Monday and, you know, everything is, you know, gifts, gifts, details, deals, deals. I got to get a gift for my kid or friend or family member relatives, or I'm expecting a gift from somebody else, both of which leaves expectations based on the gift. And here's the problem. We've emphasized the gift over the giver or the receiver. Uh, You wouldn't have those relationships uh, to give to, but we seem to focus on the gift instead of the giver or the receiver. Uh, Let me give you another example of this. Uh, Same thing happens when it comes to uh, marriages, right? We spend so much time, so much money, so much energy on the wedding and so little on the marriage. We spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and all this hoopla and all these TV shows and everything that glamorizes the wedding, which lasts a few hours, maybe a day, even through the honeymoon, but we're supposed to prioritize the marriage is supposed to last a lifetime. And so we've, we've kind of just misplaced priorities. Is the wedding bad? No. Is gift giving bad? No. But what are we prioritizing? What are we emphasizing? So to prioritize relationships the way God has intended during this Christmas season and beyond, we've got to be focused on the giver more than the gift. Focus on the giver more than the gift. So which relationships are you going to give most priority to this December? I, I don't know about you, but uh, the older I get, I think back, you know, it's kind of a nostalgic season for, for many of us, and we think to the past, and the older you get, the more you think about the Christmases of yesteryear. And one of the things that strikes me is, is I remember as each year goes by, fewer and fewer of the gifts that I received, and more and more of the memories and relationships that took place during this season. Uh, like, for example, um, uh, I, I remember, you know, going Christmas tree shopping, you know. Uh, uh, we actually went to a Christmas tree farm, and you actually cut your own Christmas tree. Now, back then, I remember hating it because my dad was a perfectionist. And there's no such thing as a perfect tree. So we would spend hours. So you'd go to this place, like, this isn't right. We go to this one, this isn't right. I would just sit down after, and I'm like, I'm like, you guys are pitiful. That was the word. I don't know why I said that, pitiful. And they would laugh and bring it up every year. And we'd still go. But I look back now, and I'm like, actually, that was kind of a fun memory that we had as a family. Uh, I remember daily Advent. Now, for those of you who are new, Advent is just a preparation of our hearts and minds leading up to the birth of Jesus Christ. That's what Advent is. And so we would, my mom would entice us as four and five-year-olds that we would sit down together every single evening and we would read a little scripture, just something real small that talked about one aspect of the Christmas story. But as a way to get us to sit, there would always be a treat. There'd be a little piece of candy or something at the end. So we'd sit, are we done now? Are we done now? Are we done now? So that we could eat the treat, you know? And so she did that every single year and we've adopted that into our family as well, the memories of those that take place. Uh, I remember uh, reading the wonderful and happy real story of St. Nick with my grandfather. That was actually the title. What was funny about that to us is that as we read that book, we never got through chapter one. We got to the end. Now, uh, spoiler alert, uh, it talks about, you know, how St. Nick was, you know, uh, really, really poor, and then the snowstorm came, and, you know, and his parents died in the snowstorm, and he was left, and the very last line of chapter one is, and he is left as an orphan, you know, and so every time something bad happened in chapter one, which is like three pages, my grandfather would just sit back and go, oh my, oh my, 
oh my, and we just started laughing, you know, so hard that we never got to chapter two because we're waiting for the wonderful, happy, real story of St. Nick. And so what made it even funnier for us is we're so sick in the head. Anytime somebody new came into our family, like spouse or somebody else like that, we pull out the book and we make them read chapter one and we would just laugh all the way through it. And they look at us like, we're nuts. You know, like, why is this funny? I'm like, well, just to give you an insight into our family. Uh, um, I remember uh, putting an envelope on the tree every single year and being the first present that we'd open on Christmas morning. And see, the envelope was a gift to Jesus. It's his birthday and we would always open up that gift first and we would give to someone or some place or something less fortunate than we were. And we were like, this is our present to Jesus. We kick off this Christmas season. That was always the thing that I would remember as a family. Now, it wasn't always all positive. I remember about seven years ago, uh, after Christmas Eve services, I had sent my family down to Southern California because that's where most of the family lives. And I remember after the services, it was late and it's Christmas Eve. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm hungry. The only thing that was open, like at 11 o'clock at night on Christmas Eve, Taco Bell. And so I had a Christmas Eve Taco Bell. Now, I want to be honest with you and let you know that that is a gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Not pleasant, you know, that, uh, that Christmas Eve night. Uh, and that was uh, a morning I woke up completely alone. So I know it's like, you know, at least one time for some of you who've experienced this on a regular basis to wake up absolutely alone. That's not fun. It's not pleasant at all. It makes me cry too. You know, I understand. Uh, I remember that when my dad contracted a disease and he was told he had about four months to live and it was right around the Christmas season. And uh, we got together as a family, obviously made that a priority. And, uh, and we said, this is the last Christmas with dad. And so we did all these special things, the things that he would love, the things that he enjoyed. And uh, four months later, he actually uh, went into recession, I mean, uh, recovery. Uh, he, he, he all of a sudden, you know, got better. And so we're like, wow, this is amazing. So then the next year, we called it the second annual last Christmas with dad, you know. Uh, and then it became the third annual last Christmas with dad. See, we're a little sick in the head. You know, we got to fourth. And we got through five annual last Christmases with dad, you know, uh, before he actually passed away before the sixth. You know, but it was a great season, you know, to be able to have those memories, even though it was hard. See, it's relationships that matter most. And we clutter it up with so many things that we miss the true purpose of Christmas. Uh, Jesus tried to make it simple. He says, this is what it all boils down to. We try to confuse it. He said, love God, love others. That's simple. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. All the Old Testament, you know, three-fourths of our book, the Bible, is summed up with that simple phrase about relationship. So how do we do this? If we're going to prioritize, here is the pathway that I'm going to present to you. How do we do it? First is you calendarize it. If you're a person uh, that has a hard time saying no, I mean, when you get invited to something, you're like, yes, I'm going to say yes to when people invite me to all these different things. You want to know how you're able to say no is you have something already on the calendar you've committed to. You've, you sit down before today is done, and if there's any days that you sit down and go through the rest of the month, say, what's going to be the highest priority? Here'd be my encouragement. Where is God in that priority? Do you have a daily time with him? Have you set aside a daily time with him? Here's where you'll be a month from now. You'll feel more connected with God than you've ever been before. Maybe for some of you have never been to church, you don't come to church very often. What a great chance to start. Go through the whole series with us all the way through Christmas Eve. And see what God begins to do in your heart. 
but you got to plan it. You got to prioritize it and not let other things, you know, kind of slip in that can tend to do so based on how we feel or what we've already committed to or obligated to be a part of. But we can say no. Uh, Here's one way uh, to maybe put it in context. If you are married, I can guarantee that your relationship with your spouse 30 days from now will be better than it is today if you spend 30 minutes uninterrupted time with each other every single day. Watch what would happen. 30 days from now, if you spent 30 minutes, why wouldn't that be true or even more so with God? That we prioritize that, put that on our calendars. Uh, You might even find a person to keep you accountable, you know, text with one another and say, hey, this is what I read today. Here's what I read today. Now, if you're new to this whole Bible thing, we've got Bibles in the back, and I would encourage you to download something called the YouVersion Bible app, easy to find on the app store. But you text one another and encourage one another with that. You could do an advent with your own family. You know, these other things, just look online, type in the word advent for Christmas on Google, and you'll have all these searches that'll come up that'll be helpful for you. What about with others? Who are you going to prioritize? Because you can't say yes to everybody. So who are going to be the priorities this Christmas season? You know, that you're going to say, yep, these people are on the calendar first. And you put first things first and things begin to fit. Let me just summarize it by saying this. What you prioritize you will maximize. What you will prioritize this month, you will maximize. If you don't prioritize anything, that everything becomes equal and you'll find yourself exhausted at the end of the month. That's the different pathway. So first is prioritize relationship just to be focused more on the giver rather than the gift. Second, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter one. We're gonna focus in on verses 26 to 38. Luke chapter one, verses 26 to 38. Like I mentioned, we have a Bible in the back, you know, or, you know, that version Bible app. While you're turning there, this is what it says. Uh, it won't be on the screen, but it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, which is the village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, who's a descendant of King David. Uh, Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. The Lord God will, you know, uh, and he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, well, how in the world can this happen since I'm a virgin? The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's conceived and is a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Now, there's so much that we can talk about here, but I just want to zero in on one or two little verses. In verse 29, it says, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, "You have, for you have found favor with God. Okay. When you think of someone giving you a favor, what do you think of? You know, you you think of something positive, right? You think of somebody going out of their way, somebody giving you a blessing, someone being like, man, that that person did me a, a favor. That's usually the language that we would use. Put yourself in Mary's shoes for a second, Okay. I get to be favored by God. How so? I get to be an unwed, teenage, pregnant girl. Congratulations, Mary. You are favored by God. 
Oh, it gets better. You mean to tell me that I get to go and tell my fiance, my parents, and people in the village that I have been favored by God, so much so that uh, uh, the Holy Spirit, this thing I've never heard of, is going to come upon me, and I'm going to be pregnant. No man did this. This is something from God. Yeah, thanks for the favor, God. Uh, Not only so, but I'm in a culture where if I'm found out about this, they actually have, by legal means, the ability and the authority to kill me. Thanks for the favor, God. You know, really appreciate this blessing in my life. It sure doesn't seem like a blessing. We read through this Christmas story and be like, well, yeah, she's highly favored. Man, she's great among women. Are you freaking kidding me? This would be awful. I mean, even if she had, she goes, I mean, her dreams at best are destroyed. If she had goals and thoughts, you know, for her life, the direction and course for her life has completely altered. Thanks for the favor, God. I don't know if I want to be favored. Can you find somebody else to favor, you know, with this blessing? Which leads us to the second way for us to unclutter our Christmas relationally. Be flexible. Be flexible on God's direction. You never know what God may be trying to do in your life when things don't go the way you expected. For Mary said this, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. You see her flexibility in her life? The reason is, is that she was able, not just with her words, but in her actions, to actually seek first the kingdom of God. She said, no, this is what's going to be most important. Now, some of us are control freaks. Uh, We go into this season, you know, and beyond, and we think that things are going to be this way, this way, this way, this way, and this way. And we've got everything all planned, all organized, and down to a T. We've got lists and letters and all that kind of stuff. And here's what I can promise you. It's not going to go 100% the way you want. It never does. As much as you try. And I may go 90%. That's great. But how do you respond when things don't go well? When things don't go right? When things are a disaster? Okay? If you need a reminder, just, just watch Chevy Chase and Christmas Vacation. It'll, just, it'll get you all excited, you know, to be like, what are things that can go wrong, will go wrong? Uh, now, we've all found favor with God when we choose to follow him. That's why in Proverbs chapter 3, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will, not mine, in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So here's what I can honestly tell you. Uh, not my will to adopt a child. God's will. And we had to make a decision. Will we follow his will, his way? And we did. And it's not all favor. It's not all wonderful and blessing. There's ups and there's great downs in the last year, you know, that we have had, you know, with a seven-year-old from Columbia. And so this has been a challenging year, but we now can look at it and we can say, no, it was favor that God gave us this opportunity to be a blessing in someone else's life. Not easy, and it wasn't easy for Mary, but that's the kind of flexibility we have to have as God continues to lead. Now, what I've learned is many of us will miss out, will miss out this Christmas season on what's most important when our lack of flexibility comes into play because we focus on what's wrong instead of the opportunity of what God may be doing. Let me give you a real-life example. This last Thursday... A guy came up and told me his car was stolen this last week. How would you feel, right? Uh, not, not very good. Your car gets stolen. You're not feeling all high. You're not feeling like, oh, great, that's a favor. That's great. 
The guy who found his car called the police and then called him. He meets the, the guy. They begin to have a conversation. Come to find out this other guy's life is falling apart and he looks at this guy who's got his car stolen and, and, and they begin his conversation and says, can you help me? And the guy's going to come to recovery on Monday night. Amen. Now, he, here's the thing you need to process through. If he was only focused on a stolen car, what would he have missed? You see the flexibility? You got to be flexible. It seemed like a tragedy. It seemed like something there. And he's like, you know what? This may be an opportunity. It's the same thing when my dad was contracted with the disease. If I only focused on the disease, the disease, disease, how terrible and awful this is, I would have missed out on so much blessing, even if it was only one Christmas. We didn't focus on that. We focused on the priority of relationships once again. And we created flexibility to do things a little bit different. And God seems to show up more. Here's what you need to understand. When we adjust, it proves that we trust. When we adjust... It demonstrates that it's his will and not ours, and we, and, we, and we begin to trust more. And so to unclutter our Christmas is to relationally is to focus on the giver more than the gift. Secondly, to be flexible. And third, lastly, maybe most difficult for some of us in the room is to be forgiving, to be forgiving of other people. Um, think about Mary for again. For again, we always read the story and we go by it so fast. But think about it from Mary's standpoint. There's no indication in scripture that the angel showed up to Mary's parents, right? So she's telling this tale, you know, and Joseph's telling this tale now, you know, of this immaculate conception, all this other kind of stuff. There's no indication that the angel Gabriel gathered the whole village together and said, hey, here's what's going on. Don't worry, guys, God's plan. Want to make sure you guys are all aware. It has no indication. In fact, we know that more than likely, the parents, as well as the relatives and the family members, probably had some bitterness and hardness of their heart towards Mary and Joseph, they had a hard time not only understanding, but they probably ostracized them. Now, how do I know this? Well, it says that a census had to be taken, the entire Roman world, which means that everyone was required by law to go back to where their ancestors were from. For both Joseph and for Mary, their ancestry line was David. David was born in Bethlehem. That's how Jesus ends up in Bethlehem. That's not where they were. So all relatives, all people, cousins, aunts, uncles, you know, nieces and nephews and parents and maybe grandparents all had to go to Bethlehem. Here's Mary. Get the picture in your head. Riding on that donkey, right? You know, she's past nine months pregnant, arrives in Bethlehem, and there's no room for them in the inn. Here's the question. Where's the family? Where's the family? All the family would have been there. And she can't find any place to have a child. So you understand the feelings that must have occurred at that point between Mary and Joseph and the rest of the family. You see, most of us have something we need to let go or lay down this Christmas season. Who is it that you're having a hard time forgiving? And it's most evident during the holidays. The holidays kind of bring out some of the most relational pain that we've had. Broken families. Coming from a family of divorce, maybe, or maybe you have an ex-spouse that you've not, you know, forgiven yet. Maybe it's a wayward child. Maybe it's a, a friend who used to be close and no longer could be a coworker, could be a neighbor, could be someone else relationally that you have not yet forgiven. And you might say, well, Dan, they haven't asked for forgiveness. It doesn't matter. You need to forgive. But, but Dan, they don't deserve my forgiveness. Now, I believe you. I absolutely believe you. 
But do you realize that forgiveness is more for you than it is for the other person? When you have been wounded. Uh, Because here's what it's like. Not forgiving is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You see what happens? And what happens is that you have that in your heart. It starts playing out in your other relationships. That person may be out of sight, but they're not out of mind. And so all of a sudden, the healthy relationships that you do have, you're finding yourself more attention, especially during the holiday season. Because all of a sudden, it's bringing up some of these past wounds that you can no longer neglect, no matter how much busyness and how much gift giving takes place. And so you find yourself just in some turmoil from within. God wants to set you free. You've got to be willing to forgive. You've got to be willing to lay it down, whether they ask for forgiveness or not. And watch to see how the end of this holiday season, the end of the Christmas season especially, becomes more enjoyable, more at peace, more memorable, because you had the ability to lay it down. Ephesians chapter 4 says it this way, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, here's the other option we can choose, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, the motivation being just as God through Christ Jesus has forgiven you. This is the reminder of the season. The Savior who's been born, who saved us from what we didn't deserve, from the forgiveness that we didn't deserve, but was willing to forgive us even, even in our most weakest and darkest moments if we would just come to Him. And so for your relationships, here's the way to sum it up. When you release, you, get, you begin to rebuild. When you release something, you're able to rebuild new, healthy relationships because you've let some of those things down. So to wrap us up, to unclutter Christmas, is to prioritize relationships by focusing on the giver instead of the gift, by being flexible, especially relationally, and, and by being forgiving, by, by forgiving. So here's your next step. What's your plan? It's in your hands now. What's your plan to unclutter your Christmas relationally? What we're going to do is something we've never done in our services before. We're going to give you two minutes. And what I want you to do, because a lot of times we go right to the next thing. And you're going to go right to your busy and, you know, lives as we head out of here, relationally, otherwise, ups, downs. All of us got things on our heart and mind we got to get to, all that kind of stuff. We're going to pause for two minutes. And we're going to allow you, if you want to, to talk to the person next to you about some tangible things that you're going to do that's going to make this Christmas different. If you're more like me and you're, you're more of a processor, you know, internally, and you just want to sit and kind of jot notes and think, that's fine too. Whatever's most comfortable for you. But I think we've got exactly two minutes. Ready? Go.
lot of fun, you know, watching you engage with other people or some of you pulling out your phones and jotting some things down, you know, or texting a friend. I don't know what you're doing, you know. Uh, either way, now, uh, again, the choice is yours. One of the greatest opportunities that we can give, especially if you're new and you came because uh, a friend and neighbor invited you to this XP that's being experienced by our kids right now, and they're having a blast, you know, they're having so much fun as they're, you know, connecting with other, other kids. And so thanks for coming. Uh, maybe the biggest thing you can do is just come back, like we said. Uh, for some of you, maybe you're a little surprised. You came in here thinking one thing, and you realize that the priority in your life, the biggest rock is God. It's not even a priority. And you know that this is the thing that you need to start making a priority. And maybe it's even coming to Jesus today. Uh, for the rest of us, we have an opportunity to say, this Christmas is going to be different. I'm going to unclutter it. I'm going to focus on first things first. And this week's emphasis is going to be relationally. Calendarize it out, prioritize it, and watch to see how God works. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to serve and love you. Pray that if there's anyone here who's not yet received it, today might be the day to just simply say and to pray in their own hearts, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to focus on the giver instead of the gift. Father, I pray that you just allow us to really enjoy this Christmas season and beyond. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.